This episode of Facade Podcast is brought to you by Fetish, a digital series about any and every desire, from BDSM to cross-dressing, ASMR, calismophilia, to oral food fixations. Fetish will spend the entire year of 2020 filming and discussing your boundaries. Fetish debuts in February on YouTube. From Invisible Studios, this is Facade Podcast. Whimsical cultural analysis presented in relevant, understandable ways that critique and celebrate hip-hop while discussing our place in it. I am your host, Dr. Brian Keith Hoskins. Today, we begin with our season two, episode four, with Ether, where we explore the rise of emerging mogul Meek Mill, dive into five random topics, our therapy exercise, either, or, neither, nor, while we not going down combat and end with the detangle about why and when do you stunt <laughs> hey don't forget to download this episode and subscribe man let's go what, what do you think is the most effective way to combat police brutality right now uh I don't know. I'm a fucking. I came from the track. I don't mm-hmm. know how to combat. Uh, <laughs> I get caught up in interviews a lot, trying to be like a fucking uh, a, a Martin Luther King and trying to come up with these crazy <laughs> solutions. Like, I got booked with a gun. I got yeah. locked up with a pistol. I used to. I dropped out of school in 11th grade. Shit like that. When they ask me, what about Donald Trump in the pod? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm from North Philly. I don't know about that shit. I don't know what you could do to stop it, but. I know I'm not accepting it in my mentality that is normal anymore. I used to accept getting beat up by police was normal. Getting shot at, I got a homie right here, he got shot at by the police. We was talking about this two days ago in here. I said, you got shot at by the police and you got charged with attempted murder. You know That's why crazy. they had to charge him with attempted murder? To cover because themselves. they had to make up a reason why they shot at him. So, that's Charmaine the God and Meek Mill. Did an interview recently Right, so I, I I grew up in an era where I like to uh, soak in the culture, right? So a couple of things we're gonna talk about on the podcast are timeless. So we're gonna get into it. Police brutality, how you deal with police? That's just that's a um, that's an interesting take on Meek's situation. Grew up in an impoverished place where police had the um, I don't want to say the latitude, but there's a difference as a police officer between. Serving and protecting and enforcing the law, right? And so I think in communities of color, people get, in, they enforce the law, <laughs> right? <laughs> but in other ways, in other places and spaces where the French poodle crowd is, they got the million-dollar paintings on the wall, right? They protect and serve for them, right? The first step is to help them, perhaps. I don't know, but it just it looks a little differently. And so, I, as I've said before, I was, I was here the other day in my office. I got locked out on Sunday. Police officer came, let me in, a Latinx police officer. I was like, man, I, I hadn't seen one before. And so we, we chopped it up real tough just about how it's not a lot of black and brown police officers that even apply to be on the force, whether it's uh, at a college campus or it's, it's in the community. Like, this is the generation of, uh, that that profession might not be best for me, Right. seen an Asian police officer, but a black or brown police officer? Yeah. I get pulled over, they're going to be on some, yeah. Uh. 
you know I'm finna give you this $200 ticket, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, okay. I, well, I was speeding. I was speeding, right? But yeah, how do we how do we deal with that? that that's a uh, an interesting situation. I don't believe in respectability politics. And so there's not one way you can behave and not get killed. Suit and tie, you can get killed. Walking outside, killed. Playing outside, killed. In your house, watch TV, killed. So I don't I don't believe in, hey, if I work if I look a certain way or if I speak a certain way, I'm not gonna be murdered. I don't believe that. But yeah, that that was a that was a good starting question by Charlemagne the God. It, it's a, it's irrelevant in hip hop specifically, but in the black community at large, right? But as they continue to talk, the interview's like I want to have, but then they get into this notion of hood loyalty and what that looks like. Do you honestly think about I care about if anybody said I'm, I'm in the hood? Right I now? would hope not. Do you do you think that? Do you honestly think of that they did a five week parade uh, in Philly? Meek Mill don't come to the hood. Do nah. you think I even would say anything on Twitter? Nah, I don't think you would care. Not it at would this be point. funny. It would it would literally be funny. We help people come home. I fucking I buy my grandma in them houses. I buy my mom houses, sisters and nieces, my nephews and nieces see me superhero type shit. You think I care about with some niggas that ain't never and not saying everybody from the hood never achieved nothing, but the people that talk like that or people that really had nothing going on for themselves. Like, why are you worrying about if fucking PNB Rock came from or Uzi came from Philadelphia? I'm talking, yeah, don't be in the hood no more. Why the fuck I want them to be in the hood? What, I want them to get killed? I murder rate, say, 400 people a year, black kids. Why the fuck would I want PNB Rock or Lil Uzi to be in the hood? Oh, had his question. So it's rare that we talk about black flight, right? So I, I define black flight as... You got a generation of so my pops grew up in the 50s. Oklahoma City, Douglas High School, highly segregated, east side, right? So you couldn't move past 23rd Street back in the day. So then laws are passed, then you can move past, you know, 36th Street, then you can move past 50th Street, then before you know it, you can move into Musgrave, North Highlands. So I grew up in Musgrave, right? And so my parents moved from the hood to the suburbs. I guess it's that's it's tantamount to that. Maybe only 50, 50 blocks separating where he they grew up in Sandtown, 1st, 2nd Street. I grew up on 79th Street. So that's a whole nother side, right? So if you, let me give you a geographic, uh, let me see. So when the bombing happened in Oklahoma City, it was downtown, right? But I could feel it shaking in my house, in my bedroom on 79th Street. So it's close, but not really close, right? And so I went to John Marshall High School, which is integrated school. My pops went to Douglas. And so when I went to college, I remember in when I first went to college, gangbanging was starting to happen in Oklahoma City, right? And so I remember leaving and going to SMU, coming home for the first summer. And it was dudes that I knew from my neighborhood, from North Highlands. East side was uh, Oklahoma City, my bad. It was Bloods in North Highlands, Crips in Musgrave, essentially, early on. And so I came home, and I, I got some conversations about college. Some people were supportive on some, you know, you need to go do your thing. Get your degree. Oh, you at SMU. I remember this dude named Looney from back in the day. I was in this rap group called Divine Words. We did this uh, concert, did a song called God and Gangs. I, I was the lead MC, you know, God and Gangs. Check this comparison. God has given us life, gangs, terrorism. And so I did this that line, and then, you know, they was like, Crypt came up to the school. And they was like, you can't do that song no more. Because it was a, a line when I took out the crip rag and dropped it on the ground and stepped on it, and they hated it, right? And he was like, you can't do that no more. 
You know, I was like, man, you need to get out the gang. I was trying to tell him, come to Jesus. He wasn't trying to hear it <laughs> at the time. And so, you know, it was interesting because he was like, you, you're going to make that. That college, that's you. You're supposed to go do that. That ain't meant for me. And it, it kind of reminds me of Meek's conversation. Like, you want to get out the hood. It's okay to leave poverty, right? And if you're going to be like Nipsey, then you got to do that loop back into the hood where you can create jobs and opportunities. Because, you know, like Meek say, if you don't feed the wolves, they're going to have you on the menu. And so that, that's when you complicate it further with what it means to be black and stay or leave the hood. Man, that's a conversation that hip hop definitely needs to keep having. Right. Yeah. Let me um, let me ask you about Nipsey, man. You know, we've seen people from the hood turn on their own people who are trying to do better. Do you think it's possible to be devoted to the hood you came from without putting yourself in danger? It depends on the type of hood. Where I come from, I murder rate 365 people a day. If 365 black people get murdered around here a day, and if you're a rapper, you know, it, it brings attention to you. It brings more attention to you in those type of environments. Uh, I don't think it's the survival rate at, like, on some 2%, 5% shit, especially being a known, a famous figure and, and, and coming back down that low where, you know, you have some people that are low lives on a so low level that if you that high up, you can't even come in contact with them because you're going to have to kill them or they're going to kill you or you'll end up going to jail. So it's, it's, it's just tricky. If I go out my neighborhood right now, you got some dudes that just, they got so much self-hate in them, they might go and try me in. I don't play with niggas like that. I don't play with bullies. I don't know if y'all been following me like my whole way. Like, I lay down at night when people try to like, and I see people bully people and shit like that. When I lay down at night, that shit pop up in my eye. I be like, he won't do that to me. Like, I always been that type. So when I'm coming back to the hood and I'm making millions and actually change my mind frame, it's something always in the back of my head want to take on them type guys. And that shit would be my downfall. So mm -hmm. the best thing for me to do is try to, like, stay from around it. So I remember when I was doing, I don't know what episode it was. might have been three or four. When Nipsey got shot, I was recording and I talked about him, about how his work has shaped me, like as, as an entrepreneur, as one to get the grind, as one to create a situation and a place for black youth uh, to be creatives, right? To learn about hip hop, to uh, learn how to mix, to learn how to shoot videos, learn how to write uh, scores for movies, learn how to create movie scripts, right? To learn how to do, to be creatives in a way that can be profitable, about how do you, man how do you monetize your blackness? Right, but he stayed in the hood. Man, and now when Nipsey got killed, I was like, man, he got part of me was like, if he'd have left the hood, he wouldn't have got killed. But then part of me was like, it was the space that he was most comfortable. It reminds me of something that Tupac said early on. He said, uh, in the place that I wanna be, when I'm around cats from the hood, I'm most safe. But they wanna take my things. And the people that I'm most uncomfortable around, you know, where the money and the wealth is, he's uncomfortable. In that space, right? Because he he ain't from there. He ain't cut from that cloth, right? It's the juxtaposition of, do you stay in the hood? I, I would make the argument that you have to you have to leave the hood to get your education, to get the resources, then come back to the hood. Now, Hove was talking about re gentrify, regentrify your hood, which is to me that's yeah that don't go together because you yeah because <laughs> if you was from the hood, you leave and come back, you're not gentrifying it. What happens, gentrification is when they leave when they leave and come back and push us out. That's something totally different. And so, yeah, 
I'm I'm for that, but it's just, man, I never had to move in those circles. So I don't know what it's like to be in a violent space where I feel like I'm I'm not comfortable. You know, when I'm around black people that's gutter, I'm extra comfortable. Cause I don't have to do the professorial. We're not talking hermeneutics <laughs> and epistemologies. Yeah, we're not talking about that. We just we slapping bones or we talking about, you know, whatever, how people's kids was in the school, right? We're not talking about we're not sizing each other up. That often happens in the academy. It's, it's culturally incongruent to me because it's, it's all about who got what and who don't got what. I, I, I get 35 articles public. Yeah, okay. But who are you as a person? What are you to your core, right? And so that that's a great discussion, right? And as they had this discussion, again, it's like a hour and a half, but they, they the part that I want to close it with is about this blame. Like, who do you blame? So Juice World dies. Uh, over overdose, you know, I grew up in an era where dope dealers sold the dope, and we celebrated that as a culture. And then this is the era where you use the dope, and they celebrate that as the culture. And so it's just a it's just a different way of of seeing hip hop, especially when people that was in my era went to prison. We and we survived the crack epidemic, right? And it was sons that grew up without daddies, and now they sons is rapping, and they get you know. Uh, D on the test, they popping pills because they can't deal with it, but they they not growing up in poverty either. So it just looks a little different. And so this <laughs> this was uh, the question and the take on it. How much blame should rappers get for those young kids' drug use? None. <laughs> How much social media should get regular fans for bashing these little kids all day on Instagram? These little, I'll be looking at I, I, a situation like Summer Walker. Uh, they say she like. She deal with anxiety. Yeah, she yeah. probably really dealing with anxiety. Absolutely. But nobody don't give a fuck. She they right. talking about how you ain't perform right, how you ain't do this right, how you ain't. They they want you. They don't give a fuck if you get on pills and die for real, for real. They bashing. They ain't gonna stop. If you could tell, you could. She could tell people, yo, I'm depressed. I'm tired. Give me a break. I, but I got a show today. I gotta do the show. If she don't perform right, then you think they going. Give a fuck about her mental health? No, they don't give a fuck. And I just been, that was like the last situation I've been watching from the outside because I've been through that. I've been through like uh, my Instagram, everybody, I got 5,000 L's. That was unbelievable to me. I didn't even think that was possible. Uh, but that, that was the case. Like, I was, niggas I was cool with, Meek Dunn, he finished. Like, it was so many people talking bad about me at one time. I never even experienced that. But you know, I come from the hood. People busting on your sneaks all day when they mm -hmm. fucked up. People busting on your mind, so I could withstand it. These younger kids, they coming up from different environments, getting on as celebrities, and then be bashed all day. They're going to take some pills when they fucking go to sleep. You got 5,000 people telling you you're a piece of shit a day. Like, baby, yeah. yeah, come on, blame the rappers. How you going to blame the rappers? You going to blame the fans? Huh? Excellent perspective. And so I look at it like this. I came from a generation where there's no social media. Right, and I had the AOL joint. <laughs> I had the AOL, right? I was in the AOL chat room, tough. I was on MySpace. I was on Facebook. I was on Black Planet. <laughs> but that's a whole nother talk, right? But my identity wasn't attached to my likes, my retweets, my hearts, my clicks. I didn't have that, right? I, I was who I was. I don't really care. I care, but I don't really care about much, right, other than family. Right. And so it's uh, it's I, I don't have I got tough skin and you just had to have tough skin. And so this reminds me. So I, I watch State of the Culture. Right. But I watch Don Lemon, CNN. 
He had this this poll, right? Pediatric Journal since 2007 to 2017, the suicide rate attempt, suicide rate attempt of black youths has increased 73% in 10 years, right? And for white youths, it's gone down 7.5%. That that's a stark difference. Like what it, what are we doing? That black youth feel like they have to kill themselves. What are we not doing as a community? Like my generation, what are we we Gen Xers? What are we not doing for the millennials, for the Gen Zers? What are we not doing? I figured, you know, I moved my kids to Utah. I try to give my kids a better life than what I had. I've always said it's my goal to make sure that the generation I'm serving now has less trauma than my generation had, right? My pop's goal was to make sure we had less trauma than they had, right? And so sometimes when you give kids everything they want, they get a sense of entitlement. Then when they can't get something or somebody tell them they trash, they cry. They take that to the heart. They hurt, right? I never understood online bullying. And I'm not shaming nobody. You can get bullied, but I was Steve Urkel, You know, I'm Stefan now. (laughs) But I was Steve Urkel back in the day. I was getting slammed up against the locker, right? But I never thought I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself? Yeah. That never even crossed my mind. And so when we think about youth now, listen, and I don't, you know, I I don't preach, but listen, these youth, they built differently than the way we was built. You know, my daddy's boomers, they built differently than Gen Xers. And so that's, that's an excellent point. You know, it's but with the with the I was watching someone the baby performed his whole show on his jet because he couldn't get to the place, right? And so with the technology, if you're an introvert, if you got high anxiety, you can still give to your fans through social media, right? Through Periscope, through IG Live, you can do a whole show from your living room. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna log on for that because I don't gotta pay for one, but <laughs> I'm gonna log on for that and support you. And so, yeah, I had to I had to get it to Meek. That was just a, a part of it, right, that I want to cover, right, in this uh, ether. Because it's important that, that black men come together and talk about hip-hop. But as hip-hop listeners, we consume the culture in intellectual ways, right, that, that cut against the stereotypes. So I love that interview. Five random topics. Hey, so, hey, y'all remember Yin Yang? Yeah, be a, be a, be a, be a. So, it's this, well, I'm going to let y'all hear the clip. Then I'm going to tell y'all what's going on in the culture. This is how it go. So, just in case y'all wondering, so I talked to my daughter, Isis, right? So, she be educating me, and she was like, hey, daddy, uh, what you know about that uh, ASRM, uh, ASMR? And I was like, what's that, baby? She said, what's people that they like to listen to sounds that's real loud, and it, it uh, relaxes them? And I was like, what? Weirdos? Oh, let's, that can't be right. She was like, yeah, daddy, it's true. And so, I got my mic. That I'm talking on now, and uh, I got a I got a carrot, I got some bell peppers, and uh, what what else do we have? 
some other type of vessel that ISIS got. And we got into the uh, driveway, and I just backed over them. That's what y'all just heard. I backed over them, right? People get aroused from that. <laughs> Autonomous sensory meridian response, right? This is what it cite. So I would never cite uh, uh, Google. Uh, what's that? Winky links? Never that. But this is what it say. Autonomous sensory meridian response. Sometimes audio sensory meridian response. Ain't that what I just said? Oh, no, no, no. It's a tingling sensation that typically begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and upper spine. <sighs> a pleasant form of parathensasia. It has been compared with audio tactical synesthesia and may overlap with frisian. <laughs> so let me be clear. It's a it's a growing thing. Like it's people that will hear that and make their whole day they be aroused. It's like orgasmic for some people that's into that, right? Some people it's, it's highly it make you super relaxed, but it gives you a tingle, right? And it it just it it uh, yes, uh, yeah. I, I, to me, it's just a, a tire driving over fruit and vegetables. But to them, hey, that's that's it's hot. It's hotter than fish grease <laughs> out here in these streets. I don't, I don't know nothing about that, but yeah, for some people, that's that's what it is. And so, yeah, that's how you do it for yourself. So they got. I, I was online. They got uh, apps that you can download. They got uh, you can pay. So sometimes you can whisper. And people get excited. Like, I be like, hey, in the season two, episode four, Cannabis Greens, a facade podcast, we begin with an unconventional ode to Ether, where we discuss the Meek Mill interview. <laughs> Somebody was just aroused. <laughs> if you into that, AMSR, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, that's that's a real thing, man. Whispering to me, I, my hearing getting bad. So if you whispering, you and you trying to be sexy, yeah, don't don't do that. That ain't that ain't the lick. But yeah, just talk at regular, just be regular. But yeah, that's yeah, that's it, man. That's nuts to me, but I get it. You know, well, I'm gonna do some more research about it because I want I want to know about it. If I can, hey, if I can just buy fruit from Walmart and get a side hustle, and just email it to your phone, prompt me, you text me, and I send it to you. And you fall back in a chair and, you know, get yours right, right there in your office. Hey, I'm here for that. I'm, I'm a mentalo. I'm your mentalo, but I'm also your ASRM guy. Yeah, I'm here for that. I'm here. If you need it, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm your push-up. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, that's it. I'm here for that. So, we, yeah, we're not going to shame people. Yeah, get, get into your ASMR. Sorry. <laughs> Autonomous sensory meridian response. Yeah. That's what that's called. Topic number two. <laughs> Topic number two is raw candy bowls. <laughs> so here's my thing. I respect all my colleagues, right, and the people that I work with in my building. Now, we have, this is a, the specific time of the season of the year, right? And so you got snacks for people. Like, the dean just got us donuts today, and donuts is good. I ate one I shouldn't have because I'm, I'm up to 220, and I need to be back down to 210. But, yeah, it was good. But I got snacks in my office. All my snacks is clothed. 
right? So if you get, I got uh, kisses, I got, uh, I got, what else I got? I got, uh, I got the chocolate crunch. I got the, you know, M&Ms and the wrapper. I got the butterfingers. I got all that. So if you're coming in, you can partake in my candy bowl, right? I got the little, uh, I got the new canes, right? The peppermint patties. I got those. If you're into that, you can come in and get one of those. I'm for that because I'm here. People got a sweet tooth. I get it. I'm black, which means I'm chocolatey. I get y'all got a fetish with chocolate, most of y'all. I get it. And so come on through. If you want to get these candies, that's good. But again, my candies is clothed. It makes no sense on earth <laughs> for anybody to have ass-naked candies. Why do you got that? Yeah, you shouldn't have a raw candy bowl. That's nasty. So I got I got a colleague or two. I don't want to call out any names, right? They even went to the doctor. Like if you open if you tear open your M&Ms and dump them into this bowl, right? Or your uh coffee. So they got these coffee candies, right? So it's like it's like uh nuggets of coffee bean, coffee bean candies choked uh covered in chocolate. Ooh. Boy. Or uh caramel or whatever, you know, white chocolate, it's all good. Yeah, that's that's great. That's dope. I like that. But don't rip don't rip the top off and pour all of the candies in a bowl. No. I'm not eating that. And don't get offended when you say, hey, oh, come on in, hot. You can have one of these candies. No, I'm good, dog. I'm good. Cause somebody just stuck their hand in your ass naked candies. I don't know if you just <coughs> coughed in your hand and stuck it. I don't know if you was just in the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I don't know if you was just in your office being nasty <laughs> with your door clothes. I don't know. And I'm definitely not eating after that. After that? Nah. <laughs> oh, like my son say, oh God, I'm not participating in that foolishness. I'm not doing it. So yeah, be mindful. This this is the time for giving. I get it. Some of y'all got the, I got some kids. So Tootsie Rolls is my go hard. I love Tootsie Rose. It's some bougie people out there like uh, Dr. Tevis and uh, Dr. Brittany. Yeah, that I know. Colleagues, friends, right, fam. They hate Tussie Rose. And I get it. You know, at first I thought it was cannibalism because they brown and chewy. And I was like, oh, this is my people's. No, nah, I can't eat it. But I'm like, hey, I got over that. I got I to gotta have it. Tussie Rose is my thing. My Tussie Rose ain't ass naked in my bowl. They not. They in my Black Panther head. They, you can have them. I had them from uh, October, from uh, Halloween, from All Saints Day. Feel free. Come in. Partake. Get you some candy. But when I come to your office, don't look at me, Stink, because you offered me ass-naked candies. And I was like, yeah, I don't know that. I can't. Have your candies been tested? <laughs> I, I can't be out here with the handful of and just swallowing ass-naked candy. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Matter of fact, I ain't gonna do it. So if you if you in the, in the spirit of giving stuff away, please protect your candies, cover your candies, and then give them away. Because otherwise, you nasty. You complicit in spreading the nastiness. And I got a flu shot. I couldn't lift my arm for a couple of weeks. Well, maybe I, I, I'm that's hyperbole. Maybe uh maybe like four days. Feel like somebody punched me in my underarm for sure. That flu shot is nuts. But guess who ain't sick? Is me. Ain't going to be sick. Ain't eating your ass naked candies either. <laughs> Topic number three. So, 
I went to school with this pastor in Dallas named Richie Butler, right? Went to undergrad at Southern Methodist University, and we created this organization called Solid, Sold on Lifting Individual Devotion to Christ. So back in the day, I used to rap again. I was in a rap group named Divine Words. We rapped about God back in the back in the back in the day, right? So he has this summit and this conference for his church, and he's like, hey, we're having a black men's summit. We need you to fall through. I need you to do two sessions, right? I was like, oh, what, what you want me to talk about? He's like, I want you to talk about guns and violence, right? And so I talked about guns. I talked about, you know, the situation that happened with the police officer uh, and Gene Botham getting murdered in his house watching TV, right, defenseless. I talked about that, but I also talked about violence. So what does violence sound like? So we know what gun clapping sounds like, but we also want to talk about what does violence, verbal violence sound like, right? So if you call somebody ugly or call somebody stupid or say nigga, I already talked about that, like all three of those things are acts of violence, right? So you shouldn't say those things to people that you care about, but you definitely shouldn't say them things to strangers because it could be a cost that you ain't willing to pay because you ain't ready for it, right? And so I talked about that, and then we talked about race relations. So that was my second topic. So I talked about race relations, right? So to me, MAGA hat is new. That's the new age Ku Klux Klan hood. So if I see you with the MAGA hat on, yeah, I know where you stand. That's the one thing I appreciate about this era of politics. Unlike any other era, era before it, it's the era of this is who I am. So I don't, I don't got a true side. Like, I, I know what it is. I love that. It ain't no wolf in sheep's clothing. This is like what it is. We know who it is. But anyway, I went there, and I did my thing. And so I went to uh, I went to uh, Irene's. Man, I went to Irene's on Michael Beck's Boulevard in South Dallas. Got my black box. I went twice. I got my, uh, so they got this black box. It's like $35, $50. You can get lobster tails. You can get uh, catfish. You can get uh, shrimp. You can get a, a variety of choices. So I, I got the fish thing twice. It was just extra scrumptious, right? And so, but when he told me to come, I was like, okay, well, I need to fly in, you know, <laughs> my little rider. I was like, I want 16 yellow M&Ms, and I need a, a bottle of water that's grape, that's, uh, you know, grape bottle of water, and I need a two dozen yellow roses spread out in the heart shape on my bed. <laughs> That's my writer. Yeah. For those of you that do things, you know what a writer is, right? And so it was all good. But I got to stay at the Omni Hotel. So let me tell you something. If you're going to Dallas, I don't know where you want to stay, but you need to consider staying at the Omni Hotel because it was cold. And so I went downstairs and I was like, hey, uh, y'all got some ketchup? Because I need to go on my catfish, right? So Sidebar, I went to Utah, right, to see my godson uh, get dedicated to Christ. And we had a conversation about what type of black are you. And so I realized I let them know I'm not a pig feet, chilling, eating black person. That ain't my black don't look like that. If your black looks like that, you ate a uh, head, hog head cheese, you eat uh, hog malls. Like, that's your black. I appreciate that. I don't, my black don't look like that. I don't even put hot sauce on nothing. Yeah, that's me. I don't put my black don't include hot sauce. I don't do that. If I want something hot, I put jalapenos on it. I don't eat hot sauce on nothing. And so, yeah, I went down and asked for some ketchup. And I heard, I went to the bar, because you know I'm celebrating. I want to get some grandma yang. That's my drink of champions, grandma yang for me. And so it was a guy, a country singer. And he was playing songs. And I said, 
oh, it's country music. I'm from Oklahoma, but I don't like country music. It ain't culturally congruent to me. But I went to him. I said, hey, man, uh, you taking requests? He was like, yeah. So I hit him with this. I said, well, can you play uh, Game Some Easy? Purple Rain by Prince. Man. <laughs> I don't know if y'all heard Purple Rain <laughs> in a country song. It's pretty dope. He do he the Prince joint. I was thoroughly impressed. I was impressed by that. Then I said, okay, well, uh, let me see. Uh, can you play, uh, what, what, what a song to ask him for? Ask him a, a couple songs he didn't know. He didn't know Bryson Tiller. You know, he didn't know Summer Walker. He didn't know the new stuff. So I hit him with the John Legend. Ordinary People, can you play that? Man. <laughs> he played, he, he saw Ordinary People. He was himself. He was a country music singer. He was country music singer, singing ordinary people. And I absolutely loved it. <laughs> it was great. And so asked him to play a couple songs, some he didn't know, some he did know. But I, I felt connected to the space because I love music. It don't have to be hip-hop music. But I, but I had to catch myself because I didn't have no expectations of him because he was a country music singer. And he was white. And he had on a, a country hat. Like, he, he was country. Country, country, and I was—he like he lived in love. It <laughs> that cowboy hat, cowboy boots, tight Wrangler jeans, tight shirt, uh, unbuttoned, chest hair is coming out. That's how he looked. I, I thought he would have had a MAGA hat, but he didn't. And we talked about it a little bit. So I, I had to check myself because I made false assumptions about him because of who he was. And I don't want people making false assumptions because they see me in my blackness and they make false assumptions like I like and know hip hop. Okay. Uh, well, that I'm an athlete. Okay. Well, semi, kind of. So whatever they assumptions they making, yeah, don't make those assumptions. So I just want to shout out to the country singer at the Omni Hotel. We chopped it up a little bit, got some mom, mom, yank, and we chopped it up. And so <laughs> I had a great time. Moral of the story is: don't assume who people are based on how they look. Topic number four. Now, this topic is extra important. So it's, and I'm going to get serious. I just want to get serious for a second, okay? You know, the Facade Podcast, we talk about a, a wide range of topics, right, in, in this section. I got I created the Ether section, didn't have for you new listeners. Ether wasn't always a part of it. I had a, a caller, a caller. I had uh, somebody hit me on IG. I made some comments about Griselda, about the MCs. And they was like, do you even know Griselda's history? Those guys are actual, actual felons. They live a life. You need to check yourself. If you're going to be out here representing the culture accurately, you just can't be engaging in tomfoolery. <laughs> Okay, it's not the word they use. But I was like, you know what? That's true. So I created Ether. So I start every facade podcast with Ether because we're kind of going to get serious before we get into these jokes because I'm going to get these jokes off. But anyway, this topic is important. So a lot of y'all running around here with snot nose. And so I got a lot of friends. I got a, I got a wide range of friends, right? I got friends that you know. That's, yeah, you know. And then I got friends that's out here that I can be seen in public with, right? And so I got a friend, Dr. A. We was on the phone talking, right? And she was like, hey, whenever you getting sick or feel you get the sniffly nose, you need to get the uh, mentholatum rub, right, and use that. And I was like, yeah, that's what I would do because I rub it on my chest, on my top lip, 
right? Uh, you know, mom get the uh, the Vicks vapor thing and pour it in the, the, into the water thing and cut the vapor thing on and you inhale it and then, you know, open you up. This back in the day. And she was like, nah, I ain't talking about that. You put the mentholatum on your feet. What? <laughs> she said, yeah, you got to put the mentholatum on your feet and then put your feet in some socks and then just had a feet in the socks in the mentholatum. And I was like, what? <laughs> that don't make sense to me. That ain't, that ain't, yeah, that, that's because you're going to mess up your socks. And so I was like, well, shouldn't I get the, if I'm going to do the mentholatum on the feet, then maybe I should just put the, uh, the uh, saran wrap, yeah, yeah, saran wrap on my feet and be like, hey, this feels, it'll feel extra good. Then my socks won't smell like mentholatum, right? And she was like, well, you don't have a good pair of socks. You just put something that can do. And I'm like, I don't got, I'm thinking to myself, I don't got no socks. Socks is just that's, that I would cut the yard in. I cut the yard with flip-flops on. I don't got no socks, socks. And so I was like, yeah, I can't imagine myself with socks, with dress socks on. <laughs> mentholatum rub on my dress socks? Come on, man. We ain't doing that. We ain't out here doing that. That ain't, I don't, that ain't, I don't got that type of black. <laughs> my black don't do mentholatum socks unless I would do the saran wrap, but I only get my feet saran wrapped when I go, you know, to get my feet done, done, which is in order because my feet is kind of scratchy. They cut through the socks. So we going, yeah, that's an aside. But yeah, so I was like, yeah, I don't do that. And then I was like, well, who, who created mentholatum? Now, how do you even spell that? Like when you see it on the podcast, the, the, the uh, section is spelled wrong for sure. I don't know how to spell mentholatum. And I, it just made me think, well, how do you? Yeah, who was in that test group? When they was like, hey, uh, hey, Mortimer. <laughs> what are we going to call this product? Hey, what's mentholatum? <laughs> it's a terrible name. Mentholatum? <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible name. I use mentholatum. Well, my mama made me use it. Rub it on your chest or rub it on your kid's nose. But I'm sure now it's 2019. So if you giving, if you putting mentholatum on your kid's chest or nose, it's child abuse. <laughs> Don't do that. Your child shouldn't smell like a skunk. Like when I was younger, I was growing up, I went to school, I knew who all the sick kids were because they pushed us all together in the back of the classroom because we all smelled like mentholatum. <laughs> Because we was all sick together. So don't do that. They got Vicks Vapor Rub now. They got all kind of things that you can put on your uh, Icy Hot. Is it Icy Hot? That, oh, that, that, ain't, <laughs> my bad, that ain't for that. All right, don't, don't look at me crazy. Yeah, Icy Hot ain't for that. Sorry. Icy Hot is for muscles, not for chest uh, when you can't breathe. Yeah, so mentholatum. Yeah, but not in the socks. Unless you're going to do the saran wrap. Yeah, which ain't bougie. But that's a whole nother conversation that we're going to table for a whole nother day about what is bougie and what ain't bougie. Yeah. So mentholatum. Avoid using it unless you have to. Because, if you know, you probably got to go to your granny's to use mentholatum. But you can actually go to the store. You, you can get the Vicks lodges now, right? Can you get the... Can't you get the... I grew up on secrets. <laughs> what is secrets? <laughs> hey, secrets is similar to uh, Vicks. Like, right now, you can get a halls. There you go. It's similar to halls, but sucrets. Yeah, it's never mind. It's, it's generational, generational. Yeah, so yeah, mentholatum, get you some uh, halls, get that to your kids, and you'll be feeling good. It's Christmas, getting ready to come up, right? We want you to do your thing and enjoy your Christmas holidays in a, in a healthy way. 
that's nice is safe. <laughs> Might submit the label. <laughs> Topic number five. So, topic five, you have to go with the change in times, right? So, I, as a podcast, you know, I realized that I, I pulled out my numbers. We got our Spotify numbers back, right? Our, our largest listening group is 25 to 45. That's, that's a big range. So we in six continents. People listen to Facade Podcast in Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... But I had to hire somebody to do my my social media because I don't really know how to run it, right? So, like, my son is like, hey, daddy, uh, Facebook is for old people, so I don't be on that. My daughter be like, hey, daddy, to my to my son, to her brother, hey, uh, Twitter is for old people, so I be on that TikTok. Or she be on, uh, uh, what's, the, what the, what's the little ghost? The little ghosts. Yeah, I, I don't know. What's, what's the little ghosts? Instagram, no. Uh, <laughs> what's the little ghost? I don't know the name of the little ghost. What's the little ghost? Like uh, Snapchat. Yeah, be on Snapchat like that. And so I'm just mindful of technology is outpacing us, right? Like I, I, if my, sometimes I drive across, I drive by Starbucks, right? Because I got a smartphone. I got the iPhone 10X screens cracked, but hey, that's why when they come out with the 14, I'm going to get a new one. I get a new iPhone every four iterations. And so then I get a little text, a little thing that says, hey, do you want another Irish cream cold brew? Because they know I had one the last time I was there, right? So they tracking me. So whenever I get close to Starbucks, I get that, right? But got me to thinking. I listen to music, so I was looking at my money because I try to pace my money. I don't want my money to be right. right? I want to invest money, so I'm investing money, right? But I'm also, my life is becoming subscriptions. That's all it's becoming. So I got a subscription to Spotify. I got a subscription to Tidal. I got a, uh, I don't rock with Apple Music, but, you know, I got a subscription to Hulu. I got a subscription to uh, Netflix, right? So I'm just having all these subscriptions, but it got me to thinking. Right, the way we listen to music now is the time I said I would never stream music. I just buy music. So on my cell phone, I don't stream. I do on my computers. Right, but it got me to thinking. I grew, I grew up just just 2000, 2013. Pandora was my jam, man. I I don't rock with Pandora no more. What happened to Pandora? Yeah, it fell off. <laughs> You know why? Because they didn't adjust with the times. So in a way, that title on Spotify was, you know, trap music, trap soul, dope boy music. I can get all that on title and Spotify. Can't get that on Pandora. It's, it's, it ain't pacing with the time, man. Pandora is blockbuster music. <laughs> in 2008, they didn't see Redbox coming. Redbox got them. Out of here. Same with SoundCloud. SoundCloud was ahead of the game. They didn't see Spotify coming. Spotify came, got SoundCloud out of here. SoundCloud still kind of now nah, they out of here, right? It's the same, man. Pandora was my jam, but I, it was limited on the, on the music, so I couldn't really get to. You know, I, I, sometimes I feel like you know, Luth. I want to hear do 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 yeah i want to hear that right but sometimes that ain't what i want to hear i'm a t-r-a-p-s-t-r-a i want to hear young jeezy can't 
Yeah. Pandora fell off, man. I need Pandora to get some young, hire some young guns in Pandora to update that playlist. Because Pandora was easy. I could play when I log out of it, you can still play on my phone. YouTube don't do that. That's why I listen to music on YouTube. So Pandora, I'm championing for y'all. Y'all need if y'all need somebody to be a, a hood curator of hip-hop music for Pandora, I'm your guy. I stay in the bowels of hip-hop. <laughs> But I stay clean like these chitlins my kids get ready to have tomorrow when we get to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I stay in the bowels of hip-hop, so I'm just extra dirty with the music, just extra gritty, right? So, yeah, Hood Pandora, I champion you. Please make the jump, because Pandora, that's the that's the lick for me. Pandora's my thing, my extra thing thing. So, Pandora, come back, please. Yes, please. That's the end of my five Random topics. Well, guess what we're getting ready to get into now? Yeah, you guessed it. My therapy assignment. Yeah, so let's get into the therapy assignment. Yep, about to bounce right in. So, we are 45 minutes in. (laughs) Yeah, so, this facade podcast is brought to you by My Insanity. Right, which caused me to go into therapy. And in therapy, I had a therapist who thinks she a hip-hop head. (laughs) But she is, she is, so she is a hip-hop head. But uh, yeah, therapist who would ask me these questions, right? And so this is the last therapy exercise of the Facade Podcast. So even though it's going to be therapy, it's going to be not her asking me questions, but it's going to be me asking y'all questions, right, that I'm going to (laughs) answer. Right? And so we transitioning. I, I got a breakthrough in my last uh, therapy exercise. So, you know, my therapy getting ready to be every other two. It's for every two weeks now instead of every week. But anyway, I'm, I'm celebrating me. Yay. But anyway, yeah. So the question was, this is the second to last question. This is the last question. What's my top three independent record labels, right, and why I love their contributions to the culture? Which was man, it was hard. It was hard. I had to, I had to do a list of record labels, right? Of independent. So Suave House ain't make the cut, right? Uh, Luke Skywalker Records ain't make the cut. Uh, no Limit ain't make the cut, right? And so my like my fourth record label on the list, independent record labels is Bad Boy. So even though Bad Boy got a lot of hits. Like some of them, some of them careers weren't sustained. Like bad, when you think of bad boy, you only think about one artist, and that's Biggie. So on, on the R&B side, you probably think about Faith. You know, maybe maybe one twelve. You're like, who was the hottest R&B artist on on Bad Boy? Eh, we don't know. Like who who was it? Was it Faith? Was it Bad Boy? I mean, who I mean, who was it? I I don't know. So, but when I think about record labels, top three on my list, this first record label was founded in 2005. Yes. <laughs> Hope I didn't give it away. By my main man, Lil Tunchy. <laughs> yeah, Lil Tunchy. Lil Wayne, of course, right? So it's YMCMB, right? And I want to give y'all, before I start getting to the data, I want to take y'all back in time. Because if y'all don't remember these hits, they came a little bit like this. Out loud. Let's have about a million. 
can't finger roll. Ask me how to do it, I don't tell a single soul. Pretty women, what's up? What's up, women? Is your hair right uh, now? Uh, you a stand up or is you in your chair right now? to me is an architect right because he he gathered the game he did what you're supposed to do you're supposed to get brought into the game right so he was brought into the game he wasn't the best mc in cash money i didn't think he was the best MC. juvenile was man whoo juvie was it in my man uh cash money is army better than the navy <laughs> wayne was like third to me right but he but as he progressed he got better he got better over time, right? And so I'm mindful of the contributions of the label. So for those of you that's like, how's YFCB3? Here's, here's some contributions. So you got Lil Wayne. He dropped a car to three in 08. Three million records sold. Drake dropped So Far Gone. It went gold. 500,000 records sold, right? That's in 2009. 2009, they doubled back. First group album, We Are Young Money. Same thing. Goes gold, right? Comes back in 09. 2010, Wayne drops the rebirth. 775 sold, right? So it goes gold, don't go plat. Drake comes back with Thank Me Later. 2010, that's my favorite Drake album. 1.5 mil, platinum, sold. Wayne doubles back. I'm not a human being, 2010. 953,000, right? So that's gold. Nikki drops Pink Friday. You already know. 2 million sold, U.S., 3.8 million sold worldwide. That's all in 2010. Three album releases. 2011, Wayne drops Carter 4. 2.2 million sold in the States. 3.5 million sold worldwide. And then Drake drops the legendary Take Care 2011. What? Talk about it. 2 million records sold. Tiger drops. Careless World, Rise of the Last King. That album was hot. That's his best album. I could nobody say, if you ain't listen to it, go back and check it. It only sold 300,000. But it made me a Tiger fan, right? Come back 2012, Nicki drops Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded. 300,000 sold in the UK. 1.8 million sold. 900,000 sold in the United States. That's in 2012 too. 2013, I'm Not a Human Being, One by Wayne. That goes gold. It was okay. Hotel California, you know, when my man Tiger comes out, only sold 84,000 units. He's out of here. <laughs> 2013, Drake doubles back. Nothing was the same. 1.1 million records. They do the, uh, Nikki drops the pink print. Two times platinum. You already know what that is. Drake drops, if you're reading this, it's too late. 1.8 million records. That's in 2015. Writing the hits just keep going. Drake and Future, two million records sold, on and on and on and on. Right? And so it's just, it's nuts to me how you could even look at the numbers and be like, hey, Young Money ain't the third dopest 
uh, independent label on earth to me. Yeah, especially when they had hits like this. Young Money Thieves. We steal your love and leave. <laughs> so Lil Wayne's in my top 10 MCs ever. So you already know how I feel about him. But this brings me to my second greatest independent label ever. When I heard this song, I wasn't familiar with the label or one of his label mates. But when I heard this, I, they had my complete attention 1,000%. Entertainment. That this they discography. 22 studio albums to date. So they was created in 04, the year before Wayne created YMCMB. Right? They got two compilation albums, still waiting on that Black Hippies album that ain't never gonna come out, but I ain't gonna hold it against them. Then they got 84 music videos, six EPs, 37 singles, 17 mixtapes. Right? And so, but they don't really get cooking. Schoolboy Q comes out. This, this they got sales. So Schoolboy Q comes out, setbacks, 2011, right? Only sold 17,000 in the U.S., right? Then they got an Ab Souls long-term mentality. They ain't got number sales for that. But Kendrick Lamar, Section 80 drops, they go gold, right? J-Rock, Follow Me Home, only sold 14,000. Schoolboy Q, Habits of Contradictions, 48,000. Ab Souls Control System, 27,000. It's 2012. Kendra Drop, Good Kid, Mad City. Instant classic, 3 million. See that jump that they did? But, but they already got established. They got Q, Schoolboy got two albums. Ab Soul got albums. J-Rock got album. Kendra comes out, 3 million sold. So then when Oxymoron comes out, goes platinum, 1 million. Ab Soul, these days, 31,000, right? Then you got, uh, who else you got? Still looking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me look. Uh, Kendrick, the Pimper Butterfly, goes 
one million sold. This is at the time, right? I love the Pimper Butterfly 2015. That's my favorite Kendrick Lamar album. J Rock 90059, 52,000 sold. Schoolboy Q, go, go, with blank face, right? Then you got uh, Isaiah Rashad, The Sun's Tirade. Man, good project, 2016. Absol on his fourth album, Do What It Will, 10,000. Absol gonna need to re up. <laughs> Then we got Kendrick Dam, three million. That's just U.S. Then Scissor come out, Scissor go, Scissor go platinum, one point two mil. You know, so then Sir just came out, J. Rod came out, Redemption. You know, Reason. Then there you have it. Them numbers ain't back. Crash Talk, Chasing Summer. Them albums ain't numbers ain't back for that. But I love it, right? The, the work that they put in, it just it, it just got me, right? That, that's my that's my go to. So I really I really appreciate Top Dog Entertainment. Cause just just because when they on social media they all change their icon to whoever album is dropping, man, <laughs> I love that. Plus you can't deny it's like this. We get a weakness. You gotta see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and gram allowances, but that's a nigga with some counterfeits. But now I'm counting uh, this. Uh, Parmesan with my accountant lips. In fact, I'm counting uh, this. Uh, you say with my boo. label of all time February 21st 1992 and when I heard this I just I instantly fell in love first of all I'd like to thank God second of all I'd like to thank my whole entire Jumpo family on both sides you know what I'm saying I'd like to tell Tupac to keep his guards up we ride with him And one other thing I'd like to say, any artist out there want to be an artist and want to stay a star, don't want to don't have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the videos, all on the record, dancing, come to death row. Just in case you was wondering, right, August 3rd, 1995, Legendary Source Awards, Suge Knight, they have a smattering of West Coast MCs there. DJ Quick is there. Warren G, Nate Dogg, Snoop Dogg, Dog Pound. They all in the building. Tupac is in jail at the moment, right? But he signed to the label. And just let me run down the numbers. It's unfair. 92, Chronic Drops, three times platinum. 93, Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style Drops, four times platinum. A Butter Rim soundtrack, which is why they was there to get that award. So a Butter Rim soundtrack drops, right? And that's uh, two times platinum. This is 94. Murder Was a Case. Drops by Snoop. Two times platinum. 
Then Snoop dropped Doggy Food, right? Dog, sorry, sorry, Dog Pound, Dog Food, 95, two times platinum. Tupac, All Eyes on Me, right? Diamond, it's 96. <laughs> Five million records sold. Tupac Machiavelli, The Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory, posthumous release, four times platinum. Snoop, draw, Snoop Dogg drops The Dog Father, two times platinum. It just, the list keeps going on. Death Row Greatest Hits comes out in 96. Goes platinum. They dropped a Christmas album, y'all. <laughs> they move units. 97, they dropped Gridlock. Goes platinum. That was a soundtrack. Then they, uh, they started to taper off a little bit. But Dash Dillinger drops Retaliation. Revenge and the Get Back in 98. That goes gold, right? They still moving. But this is it right here. This is six years later. Tupac Greatest Hits. Ten times platinum. Don't don't talk about it. Ten, one of the, the one album on their catalog, ten times platinum, right? That's nuts to me. <laughs> that's that's absolutely nuts, right? Tupac and the Outlaws, still I rise. Yeah, that that album went platinum. He and he's deceased, right? And so it's just by two thousand two, they starting to taper off. I get it. Tupac until the end of time drops and and oh one, three times platinum. You know, Tupac better days. Two times platinum. So, you know, Tupac was the was the driving force behind the label, but it's just it's maddening about how they how they impacted gangster rap, how they changed the culture, right, in ways that, you know, it hasn't been done since, in my opinion. Dopest, uh, dopest label ever as it relates to independent for me, especially when they had classics like this. You're back now at the Jack Off Hour. This is DJ Easy Dick. One of the bells right now. Something new by Snoop Doggy Dog. And this one goes out to the ladies from all the guys. A big bow wow wow. Because we're going to make it a little misty here tonight. A little misty. This is DJ Easy Dick. <laughs> On the station that snaps you across your oh, fat ass. Man. With a fat Let's go. Hey. When I met you last night, baby. MCs. He he don't get the credit that he deserves for the bars that he spits. But yes. <laughs> Corrupt. So yes, that's my shout out. Well, YMCMB, uh, talk, uh, Top Dog Entertainment, Death Row. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? So but right now we're finna get into it. So we we at uh we at an hour and three minutes. And so we're getting ready to get into one of my favorite segments. Either or neither nor. We're gonna start with the either. The first either thing that I love this whole decade, this last 10 years, I've been thinking about what was I doing in 2010? I was in graduate school eating oodles and noodles, eating spam, fried spam, syrup sandwiches, because my family was in Utah and we was whoo, robbing Peter to pay Paul and everybody else because <laughs> we was poor. <laughs> Yeah, and I joined Twitter in 08. So I remember the emergence of black Twitter. Yeah, and, and I so I get black Twitter. I love black Twitter. And this this is part of the reason why. Think back on your favorite Twitter moments of the past decade. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. You name it! Why you always lying? But OG, cause it's never enough. What do they all have in common? Melanin. Today's baggage? Black Twitter. Where do politics, memes, black culture, and activism come together online? You guessed it, black Twitter. So I remember when black Twitter started to emerge, like at the beginning of the decade, 2010, I was in grad school, uh, frying spam, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, because we were just out here trying to survive. I was working on my PhD then. <laughs> I got on Twitter in 2008, right? So I, I just I learned about Black Girls Rock. I learned about um, Black Lives Matter. I learned about uh, Black Girls Code. I learned how to watch TV live on Scandal and tweet about it. Same thing with uh, with just this Black Twitter just changed everything. We learned about Black fishing, so many things because of the contributions of Black folks on Twitter, right? And so th there's this clip from uh, Dr. D. Clark that gives a little bit better insights about the contributions of Black Twitter. <laughs> Uh, the assumption that they're making is that white users and the people who created Twitter are the default. And so whatever white users are doing, that is mainstream or regular Twitter. And we know that that just isn't so. Black Twitter makes Twitter what it is. It is what drives the pithy conversations. I'd say that Black Twitter has shaped culture on Twitter the same way that Black culture has shaped American culture for years. See? And that's it. That's what it is. And it got me to thinking. Like, so for all of you critical race theory heads out there, right? It's just uh since this Derek Bell is the is the father of critical race theory, I can make that argument. Well, black crit, right? And um he had this this he did this uh movie called uh what was the name of the movie? Man, when they see us? No. It was uh Get Out. This is us. <laughs> the name escapes me right now but it, essentially they were saying hey aliens came and said we got all the resources you could ever have never need to replenish the earth if y'all give us all y'all black people for their melanin and the, and the people in the world came together and black people was vanished right and it got me thinking about how would the world be without black people yeah like that <laughs> extra silent right extra bland food Extra not popping. Yeah, that's that's what it would be like. <laughs> and for me, that's just, yeah, I can't imagine it. I seen a, a, a thing of Kim Kardashian, uh, black fishing, right? She took a picture. She did a cover shoot for Hollywood Magazine, right? So, so let me, as a side, the Kardashians, they have mastered the signifiers of black womanhood, 
whether it's corn rolls, whether it's the hourglass shapes, whether it's the 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 collection of black men, like they have they have mastered it, right? In ways that they have profited this immensely, right? So even though her kids are black, yeah, just because you got black kids, if you're not a black woman, you don't don't look like a black woman. Don't try to darken your skin and try to be like a black woman. And black Twitter was all over that. <laughs> That's just another example of how black life be like, hey, we're not having that. We need to, we're going to cancel you because you trash. But, you know, the Kardashians, they, they got it. They straight. So they ain't, they ain't going nowhere. They got, the, they got an end, end, a foothold in the community. And so, but, yeah. Woo. Yeah, that's, that's my black Twitter. Ten years. I've been tweeting for a long time about a whole lot of topics, right? And so I want you to think about, reflect about where you was at 2010. This is you leaving the decade. I'm leaving a decade potting. I'm going to give you a bonus pod next week, right? And so, yeah, we just think about where you was when you was doing. That's my either, right? And so this is my or, right? So my or is cannabis greens. <laughs> so I got, a, I got a family member named Sabrina, right? She's married to my cousin, Daryl. Now I don't want to be snitching, <laughs> So just imagine that you had a family gathering in Oklahoma City on the east side, right? All the family went. And you ate your first bowl of greens, and you was like, oh, that was good. So you went back for the re-up, got your second bowl of greens, sucking your teeth, went back, got your third bowl of greens. Woo! Now, you know I'm transitioning to being vegan. Third bowl of greens. I was like, man, got my fourth bowl. <laughs> and she said, did you like those greens? I was like, man, I just, I feel like, like they calling me. That like these greens is calling me like I have to have them. <laughs> and that's what she said. Well, I hope you enjoyed them cannabis greens. And I said, what? Cannabis greens? <laughs> She was like, yeah, cannabis greens. I was like, well, how'd you make? She said, uh-uh-uh. Black women don't never give away no recipe. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> Black women ain't give you no recipe. But I was like, man, cannabis greens? <laughs> no kale, just greens and a, and a magic ingredient that I don't know nothing about. Let me tell you something. I'm going to Oklahoma tomorrow morning, right? When you hear this, it'll be Saturday. Side podcast dropping on Saturdays from here on out. When you hear this, it'll be Saturday, which is tomorrow. I'm be at her house Saturday evening eating some cannabis greens again. Extra scrumptious. Oh, oh, low. I feel all those. <laughs> Extra scrumptious. Yeah, so that's that's my or. So that's what I'm talking about. Black Twitter's my either. Cannabis greens. That's my or. Whew. Now we're gonna talk about my neither nor. And, and I, I may have to go, I might have to go back on this because the, the more I listen to it, man, I, I think I'm I think I'm falling in love with it, y'all. <laughs> I think I'm falling in love with it. What y'all think? You never make me lose. So why you bring Right, right. Your ways was cruel, I was fooled. Cruel. I was too blind for the I was blind. That's right. Mm-mm. We came up out the street, mm-mm. straight from the rock selling rocks. Mm-mm. She said she never would leave. 
name Ayana. So, at pause. Shout out to my youngest listener, Houston, Miss Latrice's son. He's eight? Seven? Yeah, he's a young gun. He's eight years old. We always be debating about NBA, something he don't know nothing about. Speaking of which, this NBA young boy. See what I did there? NBA young boy, his song, Dirty Ayana. I, I didn't like it at first. I, I'm starting to like it. He, he know about Michael Jackson. Yeah, this is pre-child molestation, Michael Jackson, allegedly, right? So I like it. I think I like it. <laughs> Even though it's, it's the second verse, oh, he smoked the second verse because he started rapping on second verse. So that was extra dope. I appreciated that. But, yeah, that's, I like that. I like when the young guns do their thing. That, that's, my, that's my neither. But my nor is slightly more nefarious. So, you know, you know, I'd be, I'd be digging, well, actually, so shout out to Dr. A for sending me this, this article, right? It's from uh, Wear Your Voice Mag. Here's the title, right? Drake has no business texting teenage girls. <laughs> Here we go. Drake should not be mentoring anyone, even leading this conversation based on what we know about his pattern of behavior. So, listen, people, I'm not mentoring nobody. <laughs> That's under 20, 28 years old. Not doing it. I don't got nothing to say. What up? What up? What up? That's it. So they they cut. They talk about Drake's relationships. And then they cut to uh, this post by Drake, 2009. He's, this is, quote, if amazing was a young girl, I'd be going to jail because I'm effing amazing. <laughs> Terrible. So does that mean that Drake was with young? Yeah. So then it goes to say, this this was first brought to the public's attention last year when a then 14-year-old Millie Bobby Brown had revealed that she and Drake had had a close relationship, friendship, air quotes, and that they text each other about assorted things, including teenage boys. And then last week, 17-year-old Billy Ellis described Drake as nice and revealed that she and Drake had also been texting. And then we found out that Drake and 22-year-old Kyler Jenner, Kylie Jenner were flirting with the idea of dating before she distanced herself because Drake was a womanizer. Brown defended him and called everyone weird for expressing... Yeah, okay, so, yeah. It says Drake shouldn't be mentoring anyone (laughs) because of his pattern of behavior it goes back to 2010 right when he's at 23 years old he was backstage at a denver concert kissing a 17 year old girl yeah she was of the age of consent according to colorado and but drake knew he couldn't go to jail he's bringing girls on stage fast forward to 2016 29 year old drake was dating 19 year old hallie baldwin 
Yeah, 2018, he was dating 18-year-old actress, model Bella Harris, who, when they met, was 16. So I don't want to draw any R. Kelly parallels here. Because <laughs> it ain't funny at all. But Drake, yeah, chill, please. <laughs> go, go, go to prison, man. Go, go to prison, chill. You got a baby already with somebody else, just chill. Do your thing. Yeah, so that's my nor. Drake doing his thing. We off that. So now, what we're not going to do. Okay. Love this movie. Didn't. It it, it kind of it got me emotional, right? And so I'm going to play the clip before we get into it. What made you pick me? I liked your picture. What? You had this sad look on your face. I felt sorry for you. Damn. So what happens tonight? Did you think we were gonna have sex? Nah, look at you. No. I thought we were gonna hang out, maybe get to know each other. You're swerving a little bit back there. I'm going to ask you to step out of the vehicle for me. Get on the ground! Are you serious? Why is he under arrest? Just chill, just chill! Get back in the car, you're going to jail too! What do you want? I want to ride or die. Cop killers! Cop killers! It was self-defense. There is nothing back there for us. Oh, we're in the black money and class. Is this y'all? Power to the people. I ain't gonna bend the world. As long as my lady remembers me fondly, that's all I need. Can I be your legacy? You already are. Can't keep running away. Can't keep running. Yeah. Everything is destined. No, I don't believe in destiny. But I went to go see Queen of Slim, right? I had had some time to, to reflect on it critically, right? And so this movie hurt, man. It hurt. So just in case you ain't seen Quentin Slim, they dying in. They get shot down violently. She gets shot. They don't have any guns on them. They get gunned down on the runway, right? Terrible. Spoiler alert, right? But what's up? It's just the movie just, it had me emotional. It made me cry. I was thinking, how could two people meet each other? Like, they died. She was an attorney who was upset because one of her previous clients didn't make it, right? And so because she was sad, she picked him because he looked sad, and they died because of that. And it was just, it was just awful. But, but I, I, didn't, I didn't like the crescendo, right? So I was, uh, so I love uh, Waith, great director. And so there's a couple scenes so, so their love or their bond escalates really fast. Like, they were tender. I seen you. We on the first date. And then they get pulled over, right? The cop is nervous. Uh, the cop accosts the male slim, right? And so he pulls out the gun because she's saying, hey, I want to film this because you don't have the right to arrest him or make him get down and put handcuffs on him. He shoots her. The police officer shoots her. Right, and then he knocks the gun out of his hand and accidentally shoots and kills the cop. Then the movie begins, essentially. 
right? And so then they just, they take a lot of time driving around, and it just seems like as they know that they're getting closer to death, they get more carefree, right? And so they, they go over to her uncle's house who killed her mom by accident, right? And so she has to be his attorney and get him to not go to jail because if he goes to jail, she lost her uncle and her mom, right? And so then they just, they going across the country and they run into one of his friends, the uncle's friends who protects them, brings them into the house, right? And they hide. And then there's a scene where they in the car trying to get away and a black cop comes and lets them go, free some deer, right? And then they run into this black guy at the very end, yeah, who sells them out. And get some kills so you can get the half a million dollars. And so it was just sad, right? You know, but what we're not gonna do is be overcritical of this movie Queen of Slim, right? It's an emotional roller coaster, but you gotta go see it. What was sad for me is that it's just, it's become the norm, the commentary about black people dying, how we get killed out here in these streets for little or nothing, right? It's just police, police and black people are becoming detangled, right? That we can't separate the two. And so, yeah, Queen of Slim, it was just, it was sad, man. It was sad, but it was great directing. Loved the directing. And so it just reminds me that, you know, you just got to be careful, right? Make the right choices. And I love, I mean, I love the movie, but I, but it, I didn't love it because it made me sad. So, yeah, what we're not going to do is shame black artists, you know, because black, black, you got a Ray by uh, DuVernay. And so it's a lot of black movies coming out. So support those. And, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry on the mic. So we we get so we get ready to jump into the next segment, which is talking about. <laughs> this this is a nuts question, but I'm gonna answer it. This from one of y'all. I won't say who, cause y'all gonna know. This is the question: Can community service get paid at the strip club? <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. Right? I, I'm gonna keep it brief. Yes. <laughs> but it shouldn't boys and girls club black fraternities and sororities like the illustrious alpha Phi alpha fraternity incorporated in several ways to give back to the black community <laughs> that had nothing to do with poles and throwing ones into the air right let's not do that <laughs> that's not why why'd y'all pick this one Boy, that's nuts. So anyway, as we get, we had a we at a one twenty two twenty two, right? So we're gonna I'm gonna get to the detangle and we are gonna close this facade podcast out, right? Season two, episode four, cannabis greens, and this is it. This is the this is the detangle. So for those new listeners, facade podcast wraps down with the detangle, and I give a little knowledge about a little topic. So the production team we picked, why do you stunt? Right. So me, I stunt intellectually. So that was a time when I was young. Right. I, I stunted with my money. Right. Because that's that. You know, I had I had little money. So I stunted with it. I bought things. Right. But as I get older, you know, I stunt with my intellect. People make a lot of assumptions about who I am. I got tats. You know, I'm from Oklahoma. They think I'm country and I am. <laughs> I'm a hip hop lover. You know, president. I'm a professor. Well, I'm a professor, <laughs> but that's what I do. It's not who I am, right? And so I'm a love of all things black. That's it. I'm rooting for everybody black, right? And so, yeah, I stunt to let you know, because some people think because I'm black, I'm ignorant, and I'm not. 
So yeah, that's <laughs> that's 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 another quick abbreviated wrap up. Why do you stunt? People stunt for a variety of reasons. I don't want you to see my wealth on me, my financial wealth. I want you to hear my intellectual wealth, right? I was talking to uh, to somebody today, and I said, "Yeah, I got a friend. You know, he's uh, sexy. It's all get out." And women walk up. I see women walk up to him and say, "Mm, you gonna get you? Ooh, you can get it, cause he looks good." But he's sad though, cause he he had people. He's told me a woman have never asked me what I think about anything, and that's terrible, cause they don't care about what he thinks. All they care about is how good he looks, right? And the things he can, you know, you know. <laughs> That's all they care about. Now, I have had women. I've never had a woman say to me, walk up to me and say, mm, you going to get it. He could get it. I never had that. But I have talked to a woman. Yeah. And after I talked to her, she said, oh, you could get it. <laughs> My personal record is 16 minutes. 16 minutes of conversation, of running around, slide your high heels off, running around in my brain. Yeah, 16 minutes. That's that's the record, the personal best. Not that I'm keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the personal best. So me, yeah, I like to stunt intellectually. So anyway, that concludes the Facade Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4, Cannabis Greens. You know, we had a little lapse because we was out here grading 30, 15-page papers. It was, it was a rough semester. So, you know, we got a paper accepted to the uh, Southwest Black Leadership Conference. Whoa, whoa. In January, and the Big 12 Conference on Black Student Government, whoa, whoa, well, we're going to do this hip-hop therapy for these young black collegians, right, to help them deal with racism on college campuses and these racial microaggressions because this anti-blackness is nuts, and it is a thing. So that's it. I want to thank y'all for listening, and remember, we maraud for years. Side Podcast is written and produced by me, Original theme music by Taylor Latrey. Audio editing by me. If you enjoyed the Facade Podcast, help me spread the word by telling a student, friend, family member, or co-worker about the show. Follow Facade Podcast playlist on Spotify where you can find music playlists curated by yours truly. Yeah, and DJ Chuck Diesel. Yeah, so also be sure to introduce yourself at Facade Podcast on Twitter and IG. Okay, everyone, thanks. I'll talk to you next weekend. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa.